Is it common for people to have dating habits that make them not have successful relationships that they just keep repeating over and over again? And the answer to that question is yes, of course, I see it all the time. I see people who are married who are struggling with this, but there is a way to recognize this pattern in yourself or in others and things you can do to get out of these bad habits. You're listening to the Relationship Revival Podcast with John DeBach, also known as Mr. Spirituality. That's me. I'm your host, giving you insights and guidance from over 10 years in the field of this amazing journey we call romance. On this show, I go over everything you need to know about how to get into a relationship, how to get the most out of a relationship, and sometimes even how to gracefully end a relationship without pulling your hair out and going crazy. And occasionally, I'm even joined by new and old friends who are also relationship experts to bring you guidance and wisdom with new perspectives. Thanks for stopping by. Habits. Habits are things that just control who we are when you get right down to it. From brushing our teeth to the way we write emails or how often we text message back and forth with friends. All of these things develop a pattern and a rhythm and as people, we only have so much bandwidth in our brains to deal with things. And our emotional selves also only have so much bandwidth to handle things emotionally. And routines are humans' way. It is the way that we as humans implore and work with the world so that we don't get overloaded. If you had to think about everything you did with great concentration, day in and day out, you would be exhausted before lunch on a regular basis. The mental power that it takes to make choices and really weigh the pros and cons of each decision is quite complicated. It's it's pretty exhausting. And you see this a lot uh, when people are going through medical issues or in job transitions. They might not be doing anything that complicated, Right? They might just be going with the flow and listening to their providers or starting a new job that seems kind of easy, but you'll notice they get exhausted. Right, They get really tired and they're just kind of spent at the end of the day. And the reason for that is the mental and emotional toil it takes on you to be actively engaged on a constant basis. It's really exhausting. What Before I was in the counseling world, back when I was a teenager and even into my early 20s, I was a performing magician and a stand-up comedian. And specifically when I was when I was in magic, I remember thinking to myself, oh, I could do a three or four hour gig, you know, and, and I did. I did a couple restaurant gigs where I would go table to table, hopping around, and I would do magic for the patrons at the restaurant. And I thought, this is easy money. You know, I was getting paid more than the wait staff, but I only had a three hour shift. And I had worked in restaurants before as someone at the takeout counter. I've did d- deliveries for a couple restaurants. And I thought, this is a cakewalk. I'm going to make you know much more than I'm used to and work much less. But I was surprised at how exhausted I was because when you're performing, it takes a lot of that mental and emotional energy out of you. You're constantly looking at the audience, making sure they're happy. You can't check out as a performer just another example of how exhausting you know breaking routines are you have to actually engage your mind engage your emotional state and then especially if you're performing you know something like magic you also have the technical aspects of making the manipulation of the cards or whatever props work and then you also have 
the manipulation of the audience, getting them to look where you don't want. It is beyond exhausting. And eventually I had to stop doing it because it was just too difficult. In dating, we have these patterns. We have these kind of routines that we get into the habit of. Now, when you're first dating somebody, those routines don't typically exist. Uh, but who you typically date and then the routines you fall into as the relationship progresses are routines that have kind of been formulated in you over time. It could be that it's something that you've built up in yourself as a means of self-defense to keep yourself from getting too hurt. It could be routines that you've seen modeled in your uh, childhood by your parents or other loved ones in your life. And it could be just a certain sense of laziness. I mean, at the end of the day, if everyone lived in a long-term relationship to the, in the same way as they dated the person when they first met them and started the relationship, they would be exhausted. There has to be a little bit of an ease up. Now, you don't want to let it go completely, obviously. That's when romance dies and people end up in couples counseling. But let's go over some signs of how you might know that you're kind of falling into these dating habits that are dangerous and why it's detrimental to you. So the first thing that you're going to want to be aware of is if you find yourself in more than one relationship complaining about the same things. Give you an example. Uh, I have a client who is in his mid-50s now and has been married four times and uh he came to me after his fourth divorce saying he really wants to figure out why he's attracted to women who destroy the relationship and i kind of smiled and nodded and listened to his story but there was the sneaking suspicion which later proved correct that he's the one in fact that's kind of you know Yes, dating the same type of person who's susceptible to the kind of same problems, but he's sabotaging the own, his own relationships after a certain amount of time that we had to kind of explore why he was doing that. So if you find yourself complaining that you always date losers or you always date crazy people, maybe you're attracting the wrong kind of person. Maybe the habits of who you're looking for need to be addressed. If you are in many relationships and they've all ended for various reasons, then you, sh you probably don't have that dating routine that you fall into. If another red flag, another indication that this could uh, be happening to you is timeline. If you find, as I've seen with some people who have a fear of commitment and are sabotaging their own relationships, that their relationships only last two, three, four months and then they die. I had, I've had a client who was pushing 40 who had never had a romantic relationship that lasted longer than three months. And that's a bit of a red flag. It wasn't that he never dated. He dated quite often. He was, in his own words, a serial monogamist. But that three-month mark, something about that three-month mark for him just made the relationship get shaky. And the truth is, in his case, three months into the relationship, people tend to let their guards down. Things get serious. Women start, especially at his age, you know, pushing 40, women were starting to push like, well, are we going to move in together? What's the situation? And some big questions started arising, and that kind of played into his fear of commitment. 
So we had to explore that. Now, whatever your routines are, uh, whatever the bad habits you might actually have can be fixed. I mean, they can be addressed. The first step is acknowledging what those bad habits actually are. Once you do, you have to then actually have an approach on how to solve them. Now, obviously, I can't have counseling sessions with everybody in the world. So I want to give you five pieces of advice of what exactly you should be doing to eradicate, to kind of get rid of these bad habits, no matter what they are. These are good, healthy steps uh, for anybody in any relationship. But if you find yourself uh, the victim of your own bad habits, these can really help point out what they are or even get ahead of them before they start. So tip number one is to write down exactly what your dream relationship looks like. This is really important. If you've never sat down and thought to yourself, what do I really want out of a relationship? Then you're setting yourself up for failure because what happens? Let's explore this. If you actually are on a date with somebody and you really like them and you start dating and you go out for a while and you think this is magnificent, but I also want this. And then maybe you get that. And then you go, oh, wait, this is great, but something's still missing because you've never defined it. You never define exactly what you want. So the goalpost of a successful relationship keeps moving for you. What you should do is sit down and write, what does this relationship look like or a dream relationship look like to me? How much time do I spend with the person? Is it something where you're with them 24 hours a day? Or you live with them. Is that even a dream relationship for you? Are you mature enough to be in a relationship where you share a home with somebody? I will tell you from experience, not everybody's ready for that. Some people are still in that selfish, immature stage where they can't commit to a relationship of that caliber and they have other work to do. It's good to do some soul searching excuse me, and really see, are you at that level? Another question is, how do you want to interact with this person in your social circle? with your family? Do you want them to meet your family? Do you want to keep those worlds separate? Or how separate are you comfortable keeping those worlds? Can you have your own friend group and also have a relationship with this person? What about finances? When are you comfortable commingling your finances, if ever? Uh, sex is an important one. How often, realistically, do you want to have sex? And what kind of sex? What defines sex for you? It's different for different people. All these things are easy to answer when you don't have the pressure of an actual relationship breathing down your neck. When you're single and in a good headspace where you're like, you know what, I really want to get a handle on what I want. This is the best time to make these kinds of lists and really paint the picture. Paint the picture of the dream relationship. Step number two, or the second tip that I can kind of give you, relates to this. Once you have a clear picture of what you want, express it to your potential partner early. Don't wait two, three, four months down the road or even keep it a secret. I know some people who think that, oh, well, what I really want in a relationship is for them to figure out what I want. That's horrible. That's total BS nonsense. When you're in a relationship that's healthy, you should want, you should have a yearning to communicate with your partner this is my ideal relationship. And you should do it on the second, third date. Why? Because you don't want to waste your own time. 
obviously you don't want to waste the person's time either, but think of it selfishly. If you say, you know, sex is a really important thing to me. I need it at least three times a week. And the other person says, well, I can, you know, I've been in relationships like that and that's a catastrophe. And I'm really only interested once a month, you know, depending on your age range and where you are coming from culturally, uh, that could be two very different approaches to sexuality. And that's a recipe for disaster. Communicate these things early on. You know, what if you're never comfortable having children, right? You're just someone who knows you're never going to want kids. Talk about that early on. You know, if, you, if you're someone who knows you want a lot of kids, the opposite of that, you should express that and see if your partner's up for it. If not, you might be setting yourself up for some heartbreak down the line. The earlier you talk about this, the more you're going to find that, yes, you're going to have some you know, relationships that could have gone four, five, six months and, and had some fun romantic chemistry, but then fizzle out and you're going to miss out on some of those. But you're also going to speed through people that really you have no business being with in the first place. All those relationships where you have four, five, six months of, you know, a passionate affair only to fizz off because you realize, oh, we have different religious values or we actually don't want the same things or I want to live in Europe and they want to live in America. Those are big deal breakers. Talk about this stuff really early. The earlier, the better. If, you, if you're in a place where you find that you can bring this up without feeling offensive or too brash or forward on the first date, that's the best time to bring it up in my opinion. I think a first date is almost like an interview process. And yes, everyone's getting dolled up and everybody's putting on their best cologne and perfume. And there's a certain sexual chemistry you're trying to find. But really, you should be treating it as like, look, I'm, I might spend a lot of time, money, and emotional energy on this person. Do they want what I want? A first date is a great time to do it. Now, if you're not comfortable on doing it on a first date, that's fine. Second, third, fourth date. If you have trouble bringing up what you really want in a relationship to this partner, by the fourth date, I would say there's only two possibilities there. Either they're not the right person for you because you don't feel comfortable enough bringing up what you really want, and that's a red flag. Or two, the second possibility is you're not mature enough to say what you really want, or you haven't spent the time actually figuring out what you really want. In any case, no matter which way you slice it, something's wrong. The third piece of advice, the third kind of thing that will get you out of bad habits is to understand, and I want to be very clear about this, I'm not saying, <laughs> let me get there, uh, to understand that sex complicates things. I'm not saying not to have sex. You're an adult, if it's consensual, and everybody's on the same page and they want to have sex, more power to you. But you have to understand that sex does complicate things. If you're in the habit of sleeping with someone on the first, second, third day, before you've explored what you really want and you haven't had the conversation of what a relationship looks like for you, that will confuse you and your partner. You will try to make it work, especially if the sex is good, because no one wants to let go of good sex. That's just a reality of being human. If you have good sex on the table and the other person's enjoying it, you will forgive more. <laughs> Of, of whatever is wrong in the relationship to get back to the bedroom. That's just the nature of what it is. It has an expiration date, though. Sex, great sex, even the best sex in the world, has only so much power to fix things. So 
just know, yes, you can do it. You can go for it and you can, you know, disregard and, and this advice, you can disregard this advice and go have sex on a first date if that's what you and your partner are interested in doing. But it will confuse you, especially when the sex is good, especially. Tip number four is to learn your partner's love languages. If you haven't heard of love languages, it's a book by Gary Chapman. I highly recommend it. I teach it to every single client that ever comes through my door if they don't know about it already. Understand that love languages are on a spectrum. I'm not going to go over them now because it kind of goes beyond the scope of what I'm discussing. But everybody likes to, in short, everybody likes to express and receive, just like a language, right? You speak it and you understand it. They like to express and receive affection for their partner in different ways. Some people like physical touch. And I'm not talking about sex. I'm talking about non-sexual touch. Just holding your hand, getting a hug, you know, a pat on the back, a rub on the back as you walk. Some people like to express their love in words, in quality time. There are five different love languages. I actually teach about a sixth one myself uh, that I've kind of found in my own practice. But learning your partner's love language will help you understand when they're feeling loved and when they're feeling unloved in a relationship because it's not always obvious, especially when the two of you have different love languages, which is most of the time. It's it's not so common that people have the exact same love languages. You're, in fact, attracted to them because of that kind of void that they fill in your emotional life. But when you learn your partner's love languages, you'll see a relationship starting to deteriorate or get off the rails, and you can address it through conversation, through writing each other emails, whichever way. But if you notice things are going badly, instead of falling into a habit where you just kind of assume the relationship is over, when you identify the early signs that things are changing, you'll be able to get ahead of your habit of just chalking it up to a failed relationship or dismissing it as, as someone just losing interest or even yourself losing interest and actually go into uh, a discussion about it with your partner. And then the fifth piece of advice uh, I will give you is that you have to work on finding happiness outside of a romantic relationship. Romantic relationships are wonderful. And if you're lucky enough to, to find someone like I did, who, who I believe was my soulmate, uh, you'll find that your, your marriage or your relationship is the centerpiece of your life. It kind of colors everything and makes everything better or everything worse if, you know, you're struggling and you're fighting with your partner. But usually when you get it healthy, it just makes everything better. It makes losing a job better. It makes having children amazing. It makes uh, transitions and, and stages of life more colorful and easier to get through. It's a support system. It's your physical you know, uh, attraction. There's just so many, there's so many things. There's just so many things that it can do. But if you rely on people for anything, you need to realize that people are human and will let you down, which is why there are customer service centers for every large company, because people make mistakes and customers get angry and they have to fix it. There isn't a single large company in the world that doesn't have a complaint department of some sort because people make mistakes. And if you're in a relationship and you're relying on your partner for love and support and affection on a constant, 
constant level, you will be disappointed. You have to learn to find joy and happiness on your own. It is a choice. One of the biggest lessons I can teach anybody is that happiness is a choice. You can choose to be happy in any moment. And this is coming from a grandchild of two Holocaust survivors. They taught me that happiness is a choice. And if they can, if they can live through it, none of us have an excuse. And I mean none of us. So learning how to find that joy, learning how to find that center of goodness in your life on your own is going to help you avoid the nonsense in a relationship because your expectations of relying on that person for you to be happy or relying on them to fill this one particular need kind of disappear because you have everything you need and the relationship becomes this beautiful luxury. And when luxurious things don't perform as well as we want them to, we kind of forgive it. It's when these staples of our life, these necessities, right, don't perform. That's when we get angry, right? If you, if you can't have champagne every day, no big deal. If you can't have water every day, that's a problem. So you have to start looking at your romantic relationships as a luxury. And in order to do that, you have to find that self-sense of stability and happiness in your own life without relying on other people. If these five things are helpful, fantastic, I, I'm, I'm appreciative that you're listening and, and reading this, so however you're ingesting this material, if you still need help, also a sixth option that I wasn't going to mention but is you know should be obvious is see some professional help, whether you see someone like me uh, or me directly or someone on my team or you find a local therapist or a relationship coach. There's no shame. There's no shame in saying, you know what? I'm struggling a little. I need help. When we were kids, we'd learn to raise our hands and say, hey, this is a little bit complicated. I don't know how to do multiplication. But somewhere along the lines, we were told very mistakenly told that you need to be self-sufficient in every aspect of your life. And that's simply not the case. Relying on other people to help guide you through life and knowing when to ask for help is a sign of great maturity. If you're struggling in your relationship or you feel like you need a little bit of handholding to understand how to go from having a bad or even a so-so relationship to the one of your dreams, then I would love to speak with you. Head over to my website, mrspirituality.com. That's mrspirituality.com. And you'll find a big button there or a phone number. Just click or call and let's set up a free 20-minute consultation with you where you could speak to me or someone from our team one-on-one. -on -one just you and us for 20 minutes where we can kind of guide you and show you how we can transform you into a relationship expert yourself. Again, it's a completely free consultation. Just head over to mrspirituality.com. Again, that's mrspirituality.com and click or call and we'll set something up for you right away. Third, clutter, and